unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. And we've got a little bit of a... a little bit of a twist to the show today. David, how are you doing and what do we got going on? Well, I'm doing great, Nathan, and you're right, we do. I hope we don't have an oh Henry ending. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> uh, uh, we've got a very special guest. Our guest today is Adam Jalad, and uh, you won't believe this, but it's true. He's a prolific entrepreneur, author, speaker, Hollywood film producer, and global teacher. He's also, and this is why he's here, a skilled copywriter. And that's how he's made a lot of his ventures grow. For example, the higher game and the bold life brotherhood. He's co-founder of this business in a box curriculum of transformational game evenings and weekends that build visibility, revenue, community, and customer bases. But wait, there's more. Adam is also a former co-founder and programming director of National Lampoon Radio and an Emmy-nominated executive producer. His award-winning films have appeared on USA Network's Lifetime and TNT, and he has written for Disney, CBS, ABC, and elsewhere. So he's a screenwriter, too. Over the last 10 years, he has built a dating, personal development, and coaching business that has reached hundreds of thousands of people. And he's used copywriting for that, too. So are you starting to see this Connection, copywriting, and screenwriting, and screenwriting, and copywriting. He's going to talk about that. He's also got a strong background as a creativity and ideation consultant for major companies. Today, he's going to talk about, among other things, an amazing double transformation he's gone through personally, from screenwriter to copywriter, and then surprise, back to screenwriter, with some turbochargers attached to his brain and fingers. <laughs> so, uh, not only that, I've got some high-powered information to speed you through your own copywriting journey in the safe lane, and it's this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast, but most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make highly regulated claims, if you make extreme claims in and or if you're writing copy in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So Adam, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah. So um, you want to start somewhere as to what it was like being a screenwriter or what it is like being a screenwriter before copywriting sure. and then take us, you know, through your journey, um, hmm. similarities, surprises, aha moments, all those things. Want to hear my biggest mistake? Sure. It was, it's a David Garfinkel moment. Oh, great. So no, it is great. It shows <laughs> I should have listened to you. Um, so thank you, first of all. So uh, yeah, writing has always been music to me. For whatever reason, my mother was a great lover of writing. And as a child, I, I would go to creative writing summer camp. If you believe that exists? Wow. And, uh, and I just, I loved writing. It's just, to, it's always been, like I said, music, the, the musicality of language. And I've always been a writer, edited the school paper, all that kind of stuff. 
um, growing up. And then, of course, I wanted to write film and uh, fiction and uh, ended up going to graduate school, taught poetry, taught writing um, up at Stanford. Uh, I taught some very luminous people, luminaries, people who have gone on to run gigantic multi-billion dollar companies. I taught them writing. I should have stayed with them. But (laughs) um, so, you know, language has always been like, like like I said, music. And, um, And I became a screenwriter. I sold my first script from grad school and worked for all those companies and did all those things. And it was super fun. And I'll talk about some commonalities. And then I was, I was very successful in the genre of cable movies and TV movies. And then it died. Like the whole business died suddenly because reality TV came in and they just cut their departments. So CBS, NBC, ABC, they stopped making them. So my, you know, I lost about a million dollar contracts. I had two little kids, brand new big house and zero income at 39. And that was like, I had, you know, it's not easy in Hollywood to move from one um, genre to another. So yeah. I, wrote, I wrote a Seinfeld spec, ICM, which is one of the big agencies, called us in and said, this is the funniest thing I've ever read. And then we came in and go, you're too old. I was 37. I was 37. You're too old. I can't sell you to a show. So that was, uh, uh, so I was, imagine how I felt. And so my, yeah. you know, I ended up in therapy because my then wife um, said, you know, instead of hitting your head on the wall at three in the morning, uh, maybe you should see someone. And I said, maybe I should. And I remember sitting there and he said, well, you know, what, what else can you do? And I said, nothing. I, he, I have no skills. And he goes, what else can you do? And I said, nothing. I can write. I can write dialogue. I can, <clears throat> I can plot. I can write a show. I can write a drama. I can write a comedy. Uh, and he goes, do you think anyone might value that? And I literally said, I have no idea. I never thought that far. And um, went up to a, a university, one of those job fairs, right? Dyed my hair a little bit. I was 40. And, uh, and everyone said, wow, you're way overqualified. I went to all the advertising and PR companies that were up there at Stanford. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm like, I have no qualifications. <laughs> I can write dialogue. <laughs> and uh, they, were, they didn't want me. So imagine what it felt like, you know, midlife to be going, huh. It must have felt like shit. It's horrible. I didn't think I had a skill. Yeah. And then I ran into David Garfinkel. And, um, and I don't know if you remember this, because we haven't discussed this, but I, I started, this is kind of funny. Uh, I started going to entrepreneur lunches. Was this at the JCC in San Francisco? That no, no, this was before a Harvecker event down here. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I do remember that. So yeah. So what happened was, and it, and it ties into my career, you know, I got divorced at the same time, big surprise, and, um, and had no idea how to date because I was married, so I was 23. And um, so I started going to networking meetings, hoping to meet, I can network with somebody with breasts, basically, because I was embarrassed to date. I didn't know what dating was. And I still felt married. I had two kids and my whole adult life had been married. So I felt weird to yeah. even go out. So that was kind of the middle ground, you know, was going yeah. to a networking meeting. Yeah. And uh, I fell in with this guy, it was a Tony Robbins guy, and he invited me to this lunch. And the lunch led to these solopreneur entrepreneur meetings. This is about 2002, three. You know, Melanie Strick, I'm sure you know, and people like that. And I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. You could create your own business. And um, I started going to those. And at the same time, I was teaching a writing course at my house and at university here uh, called Spiritual Autobiography, where we use wisdom texts from around the world, um, both language, metaphors, and structures to have people write about their lives, how they become who they were and who they wanted to become. And so I was, I said, I could probably, if I could teach 30 people on my deck up here in Topanga Canyon, I could probably online, wow, there's this whole new world. I could probably teach 40 people, <laughs> you know, or 3000 people. Right. So I went to my first, uh, internet marketing seminar and this is back in the day. This is big seminar. 
our Armin Moran. Oh, yeah, Armin, sure. 2004. And I sat there with my mouth agape and I kept saying to everyone, okay, what's the catch? I said, there's, there's no, no, no gatekeeper, right? Infinite market, virtually no startup cost if you can create content, right? And I, and I went, literally went around the room, what's the catch? What's the catch? And everyone said, there's no catch. You just have to do it. And I said, this is amazing because my whole professional life was dealing with gatekeepers. So I ran into somebody, uh, Dave Miz, who told me about, yeah, there's this huge market for dating. The guy makes $7 million a year. And by the time I did that, because of my writing skills online, I knew a lot about online dating because I started analyzing immediately when I found that I could write to women instead of actually have to leave my house and meet them. I'm like, this is great. I'm a writer. This is fun. And I ended up being very successful running many, many profiles. I ended up on a television show. And I'll, I'll show you the marketing point, how I ended up on that because dating is marketing, by the way. You know, relationship is customer service, but dating is marketing. And this is what I have to get through people's heads, uh, both men and women. You know, nobody cares about if you write about yourself. It's a marketing document, an online dating profile. So um, I started doing this and I went to this event. I met you. You read some of my stuff. And I don't know if you remember this, but you introduced me to Harv Ecker. And I was just barely in this business. And you said, Harv, this is the most talented natural writer I've ever met. Adam, would you like to work with him as a copywriter? And it's almost as if you said, would you like to work with him as a child rapist? Because I didn't even know what a copywriter was. I thought it was like the guy who wrote, seriously, I'm not even kidding. I, I, I thought it was like the guy who writes ads at the back of magazines or newspapers. You know, that was what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like a super low level thing. And I was like, I'm an artist, I'm a screenwriter. And I was an idiot because that was probably one of the most valuable introductions and open doors ever offered me in my life. And I didn't know what a copywriter was. And I didn't know the value of copy yet because I was new, right? I had just met you. And, and I thank you again 15 years later and, and berate myself for not taking that. You're welcome. Uh, you know, I, I say things take time. Sometimes people get it right away and sometimes they need time for their process. And that's cool. It's true. So, so the, I would say the, the, the process has been, you know, writer to screenwriter to, um, creating my first product. It was around online dating, you know, and, uh, that blew up really fast. Thanks to our friend Eben Pagan. Okay. And, uh, and that led to coaching groups and I hire coaches and we do events and I run events around the world. We, I take guys to Italy, to Greece, to like, break out my whole brand is called the bold life tribe is to be bold and to break out of the sleep the temptation to sleep in comfort and let me let me uh zero in on a point that's the the overall no it's awesome thank you um and it was a pretty exciting and a little scary story um (laughs) so you came from what we might call the artistic side of writing right poetry and and um, fiction, screenplays, drama. And then you've at least learned to be very fluent in the commercial side of writing. What lessons did you bring from art into commerce? Ah, great, great question. Um, You know, I, I noticed I used the term music when I said writing has been music to me. Both of my kids are really accomplished musicians. And, uh, and, and I, I watch that and it's social, it's a much different world. But for me, I was, I was a very quiet kid, you know, and I, um, there's a music to language that falls off the tongue and affects you mm-hmm. that, that it's, you can teach it, but you have to really study it. So for example, uh, I wrote a profile for someone, it's, the, it's almost iambic pentameter. I am the 
I am a man at the height of my power. You are a young beauty at the threshold of your possibilities, right? So yeah, it has an impact. It's, it's poetry because what's the definition of poetry is where sound has an impact, right? It's the thing that you can't translate, mm. right? Poetry is that sound has meaning. So uh, I had to profile, one of my most successful profiles back when I was dating was, um, you know, I'm no cubicle, you're no cubicle girl, I'm no cubicle guy. We're the kind of people who, and it's, it's, it's poetry. There's, there's a rhythm to the language that draws you in. And notice it's marketing, right? Mm. But you know, before I knew about marketing, I'm savvy enough as a person <laughs> to know that, you know, I looked at all the different profiles that people had. Hi, I'm a lawyer. I've been to 27 countries. I scuba dive. I blah, blah, blah. So what? And women go on and go, hi, I, I love my friends. I love my family. Here's a picture of my cat. You know, and it's like, so what? Nobody cares about you. But what women are actually saying is, my whole life is built around love. That's what they want to say. So right. I help people take their, what they want to say and put it in a language that the other gender actually feels, right? Mm. Let me give you one more, just an example of how poetry yeah. and dating copywriting, because dating, uh, a dating profile is copywriting. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so uh, back in 2004, I ended up on a show called How to Get the Guy. Uh, up in San Francisco. It was an ABC show, but it was four women in San Francisco looking for their guy. And uh, there was the badass lawyer, the party girl, the innocent girl next door, and the spiritual one. And the spiritual one was on the show. I didn't know about the show, by the way, was on the show saying, I want to find someone spiritual, but also masculine. And it's really hard in San Francisco. right? And so on ABC television, she was scrolling through profiles and came across mine. And, here's, and she read it out loud. And it started like this. Ready? And again, poetry, sensitivity to sound. You are, not me, by the way, not about me. I don't write about me. I wrote about them. You are inspired and inspiring, vivacious and witty, with a great open-hearted laugh. Joy swims around you. You can't help it. That was the opening. And she looked up and she goes, I want to meet this guy. Now notice, I didn't say anything about myself. <laughs> I could be a troll, you no, know? But that, that is poetry. I've never, never seen or heard of. Now, by the way, that's the language written for women. Now, women would do it a totally different way. For oh, yeah. Hey, let me ask you a question. Does it take you too long to write your copy? And if it does, have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster? Well, if that describes you, then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting. This is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leave you with cookie-cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable, response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven, too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at highspeedcopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert seal of approval to. So check it out today, highspeedcopywriting.com. Thank you. And now back to our show. I'm starting to imagine a pattern here of the, the rhythm and emotion transference of poetry into these profiles. And then you're selling programs, probably selling events, selling classes. Yes. Right? So it's the same. Look, that's the beautiful thing. Um, it's understanding your audience, right? It's like, I know when I wrote 
joy swims around you, you can't help it. And I get 1500 letters from women and I'm five, nine and balding and in my forties. So I know the language has power because I know my market, right? I'm not writing about myself. It's the same thing as copywriting. How can I, and I learned this from Evan Pagan once again, because he trained me. Um, you know, if you can express someone's inner state better than they can, they will instantly trust you. Yes. So it's the same whenever I write. You, you couldn't have picked a much better teacher. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I was lucky. I mean, he brought me into his guru mastermind pilot program. And he's, um, he's awesome. He really is. He's amazing. amazing right. Amazing. He thinks things through. Um, so, yeah. So getting into the mindset of your customer, like right now we have this program called the Bold Life Brotherhood, where we're training men to run men's circles, but like scripted with a point men's circles that ends in an action at the end of every, you know, a decision to make an action so that people align. So it's, their- it's a masculine men's circle as opposed to. Well, yes or, no. or, or what is it? Well, I, 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 you know, I have, a, I have a lot of experience with masculine, feminine, polarity, and that language. I worked with David Data for two years, who's a great mm-hmm. writer as well. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I tend not to use that term because okay. uh, it, it gets confusing because there's no such thing as a masculine. You've never hit your head on the masculine, right? Oh, it's a, it's a concept, right? Right. But the problem is that people bring different notions. When you want to talk about precision. Different baggage. <laughs> yeah, different baggage to words. So I try to avoid that. That's a great point. So like for that, I'm saying when, I, when I'm looking for leaders, I'm saying you're the kind of man who sees that there's an epidemic of loneliness among men in the world. You're the kind of man who sees that there's a lack of communication between the genders and you want to participate mm-hmm. in in bridging that gap. You're the kind of man who sees that men need brotherhood. So instead of saying, hey, I've got this great thing. Look at me. I've got this great program for you. I I get into their hearts. And of course, you have that rhythm of repetition and the rhythm of language. That's, you know, it is hypnotic, right? So so it's very similar copywriting to flirting and seduction and writing a really great poem. Um, So that's, that's, I think, the connection is getting into the heart as well as the mind, into the body of the listener. Yeah, but it seems like you learned something when you started to do this rather than just to express and for an audience to actually request or require action from people, which is what you do in copy, I think. Mm-hmm. So something shifted inside you or you added a few got, cards to your deck or something? Yeah, I got dirty. Yeah, and, 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 and maybe this I shouldn't talk about this, but... You know, I feel like a lot of the things that seem to work in direct marketing, you know, fear-based writing, scarcity writing, you know, I got into all that, never loved it. You know, it's, it's not my nature. Um, and, and that's something I had to wrestle with over the years because I'm basically an inspiration-based person. Right. You know, I, I, I kind of teach by inspiring. I, it's, it's how I operate. It's just, that's how I live. If I'm not inspired, I, I, I feel empty. And so my natural tendency is to want to inspire people into buying as a copywriter rather than scaring them into it. Right. But there is another style of copy, which Facebook is almost requiring people right. to use these days, which cannot be fear-based, cannot be scarcity-based, has to be inspirational. And, and um, I'm trying to think of the word aspirational, aspirational, you know, goal-based, right? Yeah. It's funny. And my kids who are in their 20s now, you know, they, if they see anything that's fear-based marketing or in any way manipulative, kids are savvy today. They, they think it's bullshit. They would never buy stuff um, that they felt, if they felt they were manipulated. 
And I, I think you're right. I think Facebook is having an impact, but I think the culture is shifting. I don't know because I'm not in the marketing world as deeply as you are. And I'm sure fear based still works. But you're right. I think there's a general shift. The squiggy sort of fear based stuff is. It depends on the psyche of the customer. But let's get to the third transformation because when I happened to connect with you, reconnect with you a few weeks ago, you mentioned something about a screenwriting contest. And you said, with what you've learned from copywriting, it's happening faster. Could you talk about that? Yes. And I actually have news on that. I'm a finalist. It was announced. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm rooting for you. Uh, Thank you. Right. Um, so let me break this down as best I can. Um, with, with copy, um, you can pretty much spot as you do this more, you can pretty much spot slack copy pretty fast. Right. If if every there's a field called semiotics, which was one of my fields at grad school, which is that everything has a everything has a packet of meaning, you know, words, pictures, everything, how you look, whatever. And so you're always looking for what's what's the meaning communicated. So I've become very spare in my writing so that every word communicate something. And it's kind of funny because it kind of came from writing dating profiles. You know, it really did. It really came from studying. I really studied how men and women communicate and I hate extra words. You know, I was trained as a journalist. And uh, so every word has to have punch. So um, because uh, I'm very sensitive to the fact that people don't like to read anymore, right? They have videos um, that my copy had better be really terse you know, those little one and two line paragraphs, um, which is really a long way from Middlemarch and Dostoevsky, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where we are. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very sensitive to like, you can't, you, people will click away if they get bored for a second. So, yeah, Tolstoy would not have been a good copywriter. Would, <laughs> I mean, the worst Twain, copywriter, <laughs> Twain would have been a good copywriter. Yeah, he would. would have been a great copywriter. Um, but uh, Tolstoy would be terrible. Um, so uh, when I wrote, when I wrote this new script, for example, um, you know, first line. I mean, we're in it. It's a comedy, so like first line has got to be sharp. And I was reading some of the other scripts, and people meander and they take their time and they think they have to. I don't believe that. So I have a principle that I teach dating writers, like dating profile writers, which is which is the same principle as a headline. You've got to grab people in the first second. Like right. I won't, I won't watch a movie if I miss the first scene. Yeah. Because to me, the first scene sets up everything. So that yeah. first line sets up everything. So the first line of my script, I believe, is uh, one more apple pie and I'm going to vomit. Right? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Makes me laugh. This, this couple had just moved into this neighborhood and everyone's coming and bringing apple pie and then somebody brings right. uh, magic mushrooms. And they're like, ah, I'm going to like this neighborhood. Right? right? So there's no setup. It's like you, you can't waste time with people today. You have right. to grab them in that first instance. So that's definitely been one of the influences to, to make sure I grab the reader and I don't waste a, 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 a you know, See, a I thought every screenwriter knew that, but obviously not. They do, but they don't do it. Everyone knows that, that, you know, fiction is an art. Screenwriting is a craft. It's like shaping a vase and everything has to be necessary, but surprising, which is, but you can do it a lot faster. Now you, yeah, you have right. a lot of repetitive experiences in your wheelhouse that, to yeah. let you do that. Yeah. And because I think I've written so much copy, you know, and I've, I'm always writing emails and every day and that kind of thing that it's just become a fluency. So practice. So how fast did you, you wrote an hour um, spec pilot in, a, in, in the contest and a half hour one, right? I wrote an hour and the half hour. Yeah. The half hour. I wrote, now the hour one, 
it's it uh, because we wrote it in two and a half days, which is unheard of. Um, uh, it people said that this has this is this has greatness in it, but the structure wasn't right. You know, we spent too much time in one scene, and that was the big. So we didn't make it to the finals. The other one I wrote in about two weeks, uh, uh, full. And in the past, how long would it have taken? Oh, whew. in the deep past, it would have taken a month or more refining. But like the, when you write every day and you read good copy, and I read good copy, right? I'm on the list of all the Justins and Chris's and all our good friends. Yeah. You know, always reading them and studying it. Um, you can spot slackness very quickly. Well. I, I was informed by our erstwhile producer that we're out of time. Whoa. So um, if people want to find out about your businesses, your men's groups, your these different things, how do they find out? Where do they go? Thank you. Uh, Facebook is great. Adam Gilad. There's a picture of me as Beast. I used to write X-Men for Fox <laughs> TV. Um, so my girlfriend is a designer and she did a picture of me as Beast. So look for that. Adam Gilad on Facebook. Adam Gilad at gmail.com. Um, like I said, we have this beautiful new training program for men to run circles to sort of raise the vibe of men and get them into action. Um, I still do some dating profiles if people need rewriting. Uh, I'm not cheap, but I'm good and I'm effective. I just help someone who barely has sight and had to recover from a medical accident and has speech impediment. And she has five dates in the first week and she had none. No, no sight, but a great vision. So A D A M G I L A D at Gmail or or on Facebook. Yeah. yeah on Facebook or Gmail, gmail.com. And uh, my my last word of advice, if David Garfinkel uh tries to help you, listen to him. Like I, I think about how my life would be different if I had taken you up on You that. know, I think that's great advice. And one of these days I'm gonna take it myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, thank you for that. And it is when I look back at my life, other than selling my 20,000 shares of Oracle in 1987. Um, those are probably my two biggest regrets. Well, if you know, the thing about a lesson is if you learn it eventually and look at, look where you are now, I mean, I think you're okay. Yeah. Without Oracle stock. But other than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think of how boring you'd be if you just had billions of dollars and didn't know what to do with your time. It would be bad. Yeah. I'm going to jump in real quick. Uh, Adam, thank you so much. This has been a fascinating conversation. And uh, just a personal point. I loved the X-Men cartoon on Fox kids growing up. So right. that just made me even more attached to you. I do have one question before we're out of here. You've mentioned the word slack a couple yes. of times when you, when you were yes. talking about copy and I'd like you to kind of uh, get into what you mean by that. Filler words, words that have no punch. So uh, filler words, obviously. So in training men, for example, on how to communicate with confidence, you take away phrases like a little bit of, kind of, sort of, that kind of thing. Anything that that diminishes the punch of your language. Also, you know, words that just have no specific meaning. Notice I jumped on David. Sorry about that. For using the word masculine. It's okay. There are words that people have their own. It, there's no specificity to it. Let me throw one last sort of zinger at you. Okay. This is useful for everybody. Galway Canal, we did Beowulf. Um, the difference between um, Germanic, Anglo-Saxon words and Latinate words. Yeah, do you teach that too? Latinate words are very beautiful and you write to women, it's fantastic. Anglo- Anglo-Saxon words, things like death, punch, hit, gut, you know, felch, like all these amazing words have power to them. So when you're copywriting, depending on your audience and the mood you want to create, what's the music you want to create? Do you want to use 
mellifluous and beautiful and, you know, stentorian and all these kind of beautiful Latin words, or do you want punch, gut, hit, fence, bull, right? It's, it's a different kind of language. So, and one more thing for you, Nathan, I also wrote Gargoyles, which I'm sure you also were watching back then. So that was my, that's my favorite. Gargoyles taught me about the Illuminati. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It, uh, it kept me in my house. So. <laughs> well, thank you so much uh, again. One more time before we're out of here, where can people go if they want to check out more of your work? Yeah. Write to me, adamgillard.com. Check me out online, adamgillard.com. I'm redoing that whole site, by the way, but uh, join my Bold Life tribe. Uh, on Facebook or just connect with me on Facebook is a great place. The Bold Life Brotherhood is the men's organization I've been talking about. So the boldlifebrotherhood.com. Awesome. David, you promised a phenomenal guest and totally delivered, man. Yeah. Well, I have Adam to thank. So thank you, Adam. Thank you, David. This has been really fun. I hope it was helpful. That was great. It was awesome. All right. Until next time, check out the Copywriters Podcast website over at copywriterspodcast.com and we'll catch you later. See you later. Bye, guys. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.